Hey, welcome, 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 welcome back to the House Divided Podcast. Happy to be here with you. I am your host, Joe. That's at Joe underscore divided. And always with me here is my beautiful bride. Hey, I'm Bethany and I'm at Beth underscore divided. So happy to be back here with you. We are uh, at the saddest part of the year, babe. College football is over. Makes me sad every time that we get to this point of the year. Uh, Earlier this week, I was... I don't know, I was cooking dinner or something, and I got to thinking about it. There's no more college football to watch, and it just saddens me every year when we hit this point. I know, same, same Z's. Um, yeah, I mean, from now on, we've got college basketball, baseball. We are into the hoop section. We did catch the Tennessee game last weekend. We're planning on going to Colonial Life. That's where South Carolina plays if you're not a Columbia native or around the area. And uh, watching Mississippi State and South Carolina on Saturday night. So we're catching some hoops, still enjoying our sports. And also we got the NFL playoffs this weekend. Exactly. And we'll talk about that in a minute because there's a lot of alum. Um, from LSU and Tennessee as well, playing in those playoffs. And this was actually one of my favorite Saturdays is Wild Card Saturday. Oh, I enjoy I enjoy the playoffs in the NFL. They've got it right. They've changed the structure a little bit this year. You only got one team getting a bye instead of two, and they're letting one more team in. So things could be interesting this year, but I think the NFL – They've got their playoff system right, and I agree. Wild card mm-hmm. weekend is a very fun weekend. Yeah, this is actually my favorite, like I said, favorite weekend of the NFL. So that's coming up. So that should be some good football to watch. Yeah, I, I kind of tune the NFL out until the end of the year because college, college football is, without a doubt, my, my bread and butter. I really enjoy watching my college game. I keep up with the NFL. I know who's good. I know who's not. I watch certain teams. I watch the NFL more to see where college players end up and who they're playing for. So I have a lot of root and interest in a lot of teams. And it's not just Tennessee fans or Tennessee players. I find a lot of players that I like, Jordan Jefferson being one of them, the stud Mm -hmm. receiver. I like to see those guys go to the NFL and do good things. Even some – Alabama linebackers, Alabama receivers, Georgia linebackers, Georgia receivers. I like to see people from the SEC and people I watched in college go to the league and do great things. So when it becomes playoff time, I'll be like, I remember where he played. I remember watching him in college, knew this guy was going to be a stud. Yeah, for sure. And then when it becomes win or go home, that's when it becomes really exciting for me. So I, I, I think why. the game that everybody's got circled this weekend Tampa Bay playing Dallas, and we'll talk about that in a bit. We're all Tampa Bay fans this weekend. <laughs> I know that for sure. They got a long shot, but when you got Tom Brady in the playoffs, you got a chance. We'll break that down in a bit. Well, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode. We're going to look at the college football playoff final, which what of a snooze fest that was, a blowout by Georgia. We're going to break that down. I don't think it needs much breaking down, but we're at least going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about the transfer portal and things that are happening for both LSU and Tennessee. In that transfer portal, we're going to look at the final AP poll and coaches poll to see where both Tennessee and LSU ended up. I'm sure there's going to be some conversation there. And then we're going to also talk about what we're looking at in the future and what you may hear on future episodes and also break down a little bit of the NFL weekend that's coming up. How does that sound, dear? That sounds good. Did you have a good week while I was away? Well, it wasn't a full week. I missed you. Um, it kind of... <laughs> Tour by work was busy, so I kept myself busy, and then I hopped on and gamed with the fellas a little bit. So 
it was same old same kind of bachelor style. You saw my Mountain Dew in the refrigerator. Yeah, actually, it wasn't Mountain Dew. It was it's mountain, mountain Lightning. Mountain Lightning. You, I was trying not to let these people know how bougie I am. <laughs> mountain Thunder. No, no, no. It's Mountain Lightning. It's Dr. Thunder. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, for sure. So I was away all week at a, at a meeting in Charleston, and we actually found a great little place to watch the game called Social House. And we showed up, and not very many people were there. But by the time the game started, it was packed and they had big screens going so I was just so happy we found somewhere on King Street um, to watch the game but it was a great turnout here's a question how was the crowd after the first quarter um they, they were actually still just happy to be there they were hanging in okay. Mo- okay on a Monday night yeah they, well we were the oldest people there I'm pretty sure by a little bit, but not really. Twenty-two-year-old being the oldest person around, I can't I know, believe that. Right? But not really. I mean, I thought I felt that way, but then I looked around and I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, it was a nice like mixing group of people. So I was so glad we found somewhere, and they had great food. So right up there on King Street in Charleston, if you're ever around. King Street in Charleston. The Social House was the name of it. Yeah, Social House. Maybe a Social Club. We'll have social to. Club. We'll have to go. Social something. Social Club. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to to take off down to Charleston to meet you at all because we have a date night that your father was so graciously gifted us for uh, Christmas there. So we'll be in Charleston doing that. Maybe we'll add that to the podcast session of uh, things to do in and around South Carolina. We visit all around the state. We go out of state quite a bit as well. We could add that to things we like to talk about, especially during the offseason when we're looking for content. But uh, glad you had a good time. Good to hear that it was a mixed crowd. Those are always fun places where you can mix – all the, all the ages together, and everybody's there for a common goal. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So we um, had probably a group about eight of us went out to watch the game, and it was really um, it was really exciting to me to see my coworkers and what they thought about the game. You had uh, some. Uh, reactions like yay sports I don't know really what's going on or what the game is about or what's this game you speak of one of my great friends I'll have to mention him Raphael he actually played for Virginia Tech back in the 90s won a sugar bowl talked with him about it a little bit and broke it down and so everybody thought TCU had a chance gonna show up and Myself included. I thought they had yeah, a chance. Everybody was just really high on TCU until really after the first quarter. And then when they scored that first touchdown, we were like, ooh, he's fast. He's got some speed. Um, and my take, I will let you know, is that I always I wanted TCU to win. I was really, really pulling for them. But I was driving down to Charleston, left home that afternoon, and I was I never had changed my pick. I know the last podcast, you were like, you have, you know, you need to make a decision now. No, I caveated it. You were still free to change your mind. Yeah, and I was iffy, you know. And so I was thinking about it on the drive, and I said, this gut feeling told me not to change my pick. I thought to myself, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay. And and that's what I thought. I was like, I'm just going to stay with my pick and stay with Georgia. So I never changed my pick, but I really wanted TCU to show up, even though I didn't change my pick. I was still rooting for them. Yeah, I wanted TCU to win. Uh, however, in, in the pick segment, I told you all I picked TCU. I changed my pick. I wasn't very confident that they had the ability to win this game. 
but I really wanted it to happen. And that's how much faith I had behind it. I said, I'm going to throw it in. There were three of us tied at the top of our pick segment, all who had picked Georgia. I didn't want this thing to go down to a tiebreaker. I said, I'll step out. I'll go for the Horn Frogs. Oh, you know? what? You're like, you're going to take one for the team. No, it wow. wasn't taking one for the team. I just, I was willing to risk it. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm not, I'm not taking one for the team. I'm not, I'm not asking for pity. Um, but I, I saw that everyone had, else had to pick Georgia, and I wanted to just go against the grain a little bit. And I mentioned yeah. it in the, in the previous podcast that I, I didn't know that they had the ability to win. I'll tell you this. I doubted TCU going into the Michigan game, and they shocked me. Um, mm-hmm. I'd watched some TCU football coming down to the end of the year, and Max Duggan was the real deal. He was playing lights-out football. It was really hard not to root for the guy coming out of the Big 12 championship. And then he showed up against Michigan, and I'd watched enough Michigan football to know that that team was very talented. That just tells me how much of another level Georgia's on. Um, and tells you how high of a caliber football play, uh, Ohio State was playing when they went up against Georgia. Oh, yeah. I don't think Ohio State played to that caliber all year. I don't think they so either. definitely didn't play to that caliber against Michigan. But they played it that night, and it showed the talent that's on that team. So you got to give credit a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I'm not upset that I changed my pick, and I'll recap where we stand on the final pick them here in just one second. I'm not upset that I changed my pick. However, I'm not shocked at the outcome in the national championship. I'm a, I have to say I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked at how much it how was. How much it was. I, I knew Georgia had the ability to blow them out. I didn't expect that big of a blow. I did not either. So we were sitting at the Uptown Social. That's the name of the restaurant. Uh, I got it wrong. Funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Yeah, so I was sitting there eating my Brussels sprouts and Thai chicken salad. And um, yeah, it just, I felt like I saw a different Stetson Bennett this week. He was on fire. I agree. He he was a man on a mission. He seemed more calm, cool, and collected. He did not seem like he was sweating it as much. He seemed like he was having fun, which I'm a firm believer. If you are having fun in what you're doing, that success is going to come to you um, just more easily. And it's just going to come to you if, you know... In, if you're having fun, success is going to come more easily. And so it, it looked like he was just like having just a different quarterback out there to me. I agree. He, he looked really comfortable. It, it looked like. Uh, he was just loose. Loosey goosey, uh, having a good time, but there for a mission. I think, I think part of that is the game plan they had installed was working. And when you go out there with a scripted play and everything's kind of clicking, uh, early in this game, they were running a lot of misdirection. And the mm-hmm. reason they were doing so in the three three five, those three linebackers, they are very reactive to what the offense does and are quick to shift in one direction. Mm-hmm. And so they were running misdirection, getting the linebackers going one way, and then the play was actually going back the other. Yep. Come the next series, they stopped the misdirection and started yep. running it right where they wanted to, and those linebackers, once again, were hesitant to move. So they had those linebackers guessing – on every mm-hmm. play, and we're kind of getting what they wanted out of that defense from from the first snap on. Oh yeah, it was like a puppet master, like it was doing it, it was, what they wanted to do. And so, Todd Munkin called a heck of a game for Georgia. They had a great game plan, and you know, I read Sonny Dykes. They had interviewed him, headed into the Georgia game. He had said, "We're going to prepare for this game just like we prepared prepared for the Michigan game." I don't know if that's to his credit, to his default. 
Uh, I don't know if they changed the game plan or if they went in with the same game plan, but clearly (laughs) uh, whatever the game plan was, was not a good one. Not a great one. And then I saw this earlier this week that he said um, he kind of fired a shot at the SEC uh, before the game and said, we don't have the good fortune to play out of conference games like the SEC does in week 10 or week 11. You're not going to catch the Citadel in week 10. We caught Texas. Yeah. And the SEC catches a lot of flack for those week 10 games. But uh, also, nobody else is playing an SEC schedule. And our strength of schedule yeah, is you don't need quite it. a bit harder. Now, I agree to an extent it's a bad look for the SEC, and we tend to be playing out-of-conference foes. But come play in the SEC, and then you can talk to me. Exactly. And the SEC, we all, you know, teams in the SEC, like LSU played Florida State right off the bat in the beginning uh we're always playing out of conference games we're playing in florida state next year and then the year after that we're going to las vegas to play um in a neutral site game so i think that's important like whether it's the beginning you know it's a lot harder to do it in the beginning of the season but um you know it's six and one half a dozen the other yeah you know tennessee had the pit home and away with Mm -hmm. them alabama had texas the SEC schedules out of conference, and they do it early, and we do it on a big scale. And the only teams that don't, I would say, are the the Mississippi's, the Ar- Arkansas. They had they had a one on the road this year, but those mid majors, those conferences. Yeah. Well, next year. So South Carolina and North Carolina open up at Bank of America Stadium in North Carolina, and that's going to be uh, a pretty part, uh, marquee matchup for the first week of the mm-hmm. year. Spencer Rattler's back. He announced that on Wednesday, along with Juice Wells. They're both coming back for, for another year. So you're going to have Drake May, Spencer Rattler back at the helm of their two offenses. And two offenses that kind of struggled last year but had some moments of greatness. So that's going to be a marquee matchup that is a, uh, you know, two traditional Power 5 schools that are playing each other that are, you know, geographically separated by a little bit of a space. But uh, the last three matchups we've gotten between the two have been absolute stunner of games. Do you, So you listen to South Carolina, not to derail us too much, but you listen to South Carolina radio. So what was the reaction? Did you hear any reaction about Spencer Rattler coming back? Oh, they're excited. They. Oh, my so, gosh. To, <laughs> so this is funny. Uh, earlier this week. When he announced in, in their preview in that uh, North Carolina. I mean, that's somebody's baby. I'm so. Yeah. No, yeah. And I get the excitement. Spencer Rather was a highly recruited guy at one point in time. So, I mean, I get that to an extent. But um, they said Drake May, Spencer Rather, two of the nation's most elite quarterbacks. I'm like, mm. bro, tap your brakes. Spencer exactly. ain't been elite. He's been elite in a game here or there. But yeah. the overall body of work is not there. And it's just so funny to look at the reaction from South Carolina fans and just fans across the country when a program is losing versus winning. You know, you can you can love a quarterback and hate a quarterback based on success. So I just um, well, here's here's where South Carolina stands on things, and I know we're still talking the national championship, championship. game, so we shouldn't have South Carolina in the same breath. But today on the radio. The fans say ten and two or eleven and one should not be out of reach next season with the return of Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells. Okay, all right. That's, well, that's we where will they're see. at. We will see. This is why when they lose, Gamecock calling radio is some of the best we radio. We need to have that I've heard. some. I mean, I'm sure that 
we'll get there one day. But maybe we'll be that big. Maybe we'll be that, and we will have to cut people off from from using foul language. We'll just let them use foul exactly. language. Exactly. Let them babe. use it. I'll put the explicit next to it, and yeah. we, just, we just let them go. We'll, we'll, we'll be a safe go. space. We'll let Gamecock Jim get on. And- we'll tell them that Monday morning they can call in. We'll have the, the line set up, and they can just let it all out. Okay, going back to this national championship game, they just demolished TCU. They had that one touchdown, and he was fast. On oh, the yeah, the, the quarterback. Like he was yeah. going. Um, but, yeah, after that, just – and I thought that after halftime, okay, they went in, they settled in. I was like, okay, they're a second-half team. TCU's going to come out. They're going to score some points. Um, at that point, we had, you know, walked back uh, to the hotel, and I would kind of settled in. And no, and a lot of people on my team were like, "Yeah, we just we just went to bed. We just went." to Yeah, sleep. I, I know many that quit watching there at halftime. Really, when TCU got that ball, there was about a minute thirty left in the half. They threw. They had their third turnover, the second pick of the first half, and Georgia scored yet another touchdown. I think yep. it was thirty-eight-seven at that point in time. Yep. Really, that that ended it for me. It was it was too too great of a hill to climb for the Horn Frogs. Unfortunately, as much as I wanted to see them win it, and much as I was pulling for them, the game was over, and it was over at halftime. Now, another rumor mill that was out there this week mm-hmm. was that someone from the NCAA realm came to the Georgia locker room at halftime and asked them to tap the brakes oh. on this beatdown that was happening. Because TCU fans and students had traveled a long way, and there's a lot of people watching, and give them the opportunity to enjoy this trip. You know what I, I don't know done? how much truth there is to that, but I did see it reported from a pretty reliable source that says there might be some truth to that. Oh my goodness! Well, you know what that would make me want to do? What's that? Uh, push the gas. Yeah, I don't. I would say they didn't push the gas in this in the second half, but they ran their offense for the most part. Uh, they pulled Stetson Bennett with, yeah. within the first couple of minutes of the fourth fourth quarter. He was yeah. out of the game. So they pulled him pretty early. He didn't need to be in there. And and Green. they could really run the ball at will. Georgia could have scored 100 if they yeah. wanted to. They really could have. Anything they were wanting to run was there. Oh, yeah. Stetson Bennett ended the day with, uh, let's see here, 304 yards and six total touchdowns on that way to a 65-7 beatdown of TCU. But, you know, what they talked about when that NCAA official or whoever had said something to Georgia, they said, uh, you know, we've seen that in high school football because people travel to generally a a bigger state and they're like, hey, slow it down. You know, you guys clearly have won the game, but never in college athletics. I don't know. I think there there could be some – there's big money on the line. It's a billion-dollar industry, the college football industry is. Well – I said at the beginning of everything, even last week, I said, you know, Vegas knows something with the spread. Oh, for sure. You you absolutely nailed that. And, and I nailed it. More. Yeah, yeah. Um, nailed it. it. Um, and so I was looking, and what stood out to me is that TCU only had nine first downs, while Georgia had 32 first downs that whole game. And so I stayed awake for the whole thing. I don't know if you did. I did. Well, I was on the phone with you, babe. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Um, And so our hotel in Charleston, it has a rumor for being haunted. So I really didn't sleep very well that night. And so I watched the entire thing and then the the award ceremony and all that confetti. 
watch till the final whistle. Once the and confetti then, started going off, I had turned the channel. He turned it to something or turned it off. Yeah, and I'm then sure. they were saying Stetson Bennett has tied um, Joe Burrow in the amount of touchdowns in a national championship game. And so I was like, but Stet- let me state this for the record. He's no Joe Burrow. Stetson Bennett is, is not Joe Burrow. No, he does not no. have the next upside. No. Stetson's going to be lucky to be a seventh, eighth round pick and may just go undrafted. That's the honest truth about him. He is the ninth I mean, or 10th overall on Mel Kuyper's board. Last year, nine quarterbacks were taken in the draft. The ninth of which being Brock Purdy, who is going to start a playoff game. But Purdy has Purdy power. I don't know that Bennett has Bennett power. Well, and I do like Stetson Bennett. Like, if you remember. Love the story. I love the story. It was a walk-on. He told his mama, like, I'm going to play quarterback at, I'm going to play quarterback at Georgia. Like, if that's not manifesting something, I don't know what is to say, hey, I'm going to do this. And this is what's happening. Like, you've got to get him credit. The the full story goes, walks on at Georgia to begin Uh with, and then transfers to Jackson State, Mississippi. Yep. He plays a couple years there, comes back to Georgia as, again, a preferred walk-on. It had always been his dream since he was a little boy, so I can empathize with that, that I would love to play for the Tennessee Volunteers. Was never good enough. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he manifested. I get it. He said. He was like, Mama, this is what I'm going to do. I agree. I agree that. Great, great college football story. That's where it ends. Yeah, I I agree. Which and it great for the he's going to live in infamy in Athens and all over the state of Georgia. Yeah, that um, that was stood out to me. But Kirby Smart was just elated, and uh, they were talking about how he coaches differently than other coaches. They have a real sense of community. And then you didn't see this, but when he was talking and being interviewed at the end, they said, how do you do this? How do you bring a team two years in a row to a national championship? And he goes, you run a program without a sense of entitlement. Very true. And you stay humble. So on on that note, he goes, we're real close. We're real close to getting away from that. That's good. But you cannot have a sense of entitlement in that your Nothing program. is owed to you. You have to earn everything. I mean, and that's like when it's it hard. comes back to parenting. Hard for college kids. When it comes back to parenting too, like that's how I want to like our boys to like grow up and be humble. Like you, you have this, this attitude of of giving and not being entitled to to anything and having to earn and wanting to be gracious and humble and especially in sports because we were talking about this other day like we try to teach our kids like listen you cannot win all the time the greatest in the world the goats out there did not win every game you cannot win every game and you are not the best out there and you've got to be coachable and teachable and want to and go into things like even now like with my career and things like that like I can't go in because I can learn from people every day so I think that's the attitude you have to even teach your kids you know going into sports these days well you you got to remember you know too the the recruits that Kirby's getting are the top guys in, in the nation. And without a doubt, for the last four years, they've been told how great they are and how awesome they are mm-hmm. and how, how they're going to go to the NFL. 
and to get them broken down and onto a level that you are nothing and when you're nothing without your team and you accomplish nothing by yourself, that's the other 10 guys around you and the guys on offense or on defense, depending on what side of the ball you play, those are lessons learned the hard way because there is no I in football. It's always 11 on yeah. the field. And it takes yeah. all 11 to succeed at any given time. And he said also connection. So connection and being humble. Well, I've so, seen some speculation out there from people around college football that if Alabama's back-to-back national championships were more to a credit to Kirby Smart than they are to Nick Saban. I don't think so. I think that you have to evolve. I think that I compare it to my parents parenting me and then me parenting you know, Easton and Gray and now us parenting like everyone that we can't parent our four children like our parents parented us. The world's like, a different it, place. It, it, the world's a different place that doesn't work anymore. I can't tell, I cannot, I cannot tell our kids like do this because I said so. And that's it. Yep. Like that doesn't, and yelling and how I see Nick Saban on the sideline, like screaming and yelling. I don't think that necessarily works anymore. Well, I think that's a portion of Nick Saban. I think I think he makes but great relationships think, with his players. I do too, but maybe that's old school and Kirby Smart knows. Oh, Kirby does some yelling. I know, but maybe he knows he's like a parent of today and knows that these kids, you can't do things with them like you did back in the early 2000s, like, you know, Nick Saban did with those er that early LSU team and then those that 2010-2011 Alabama team. Yep, the times have changed for sure. Okay, so to wrap it up, the national championship game, um, Stetson Ben is no Joe Burrow, but he played, fin like, just – awesome in in this in this game i love how kirby brought him off and then brought off the other seniors i think that was fantastic it was uh, great to be um if you're a georgia fan it was a great to be a georgia fan watching this game i think they're the only ones that watched the second half 65 to 7 is your final <laughs> and George, me. georgia rolled i mean i was watching but in, a, really. in a haunted hotel it, it was on so and uh they rolled with it so any other thoughts to this there's nothing else to break down georgia dominates back-to-back -back champions uh makes me sick to my stomach as a tennessee fan uh, but congratulations to them they earned it they were without well, a doubt the the best team in college football this season, and I think that was evident throughout the season. But thank the Lord it stayed in the SEC. Thank the But it's gotta be Georgia. Thank the Lord above we do not have an Ohio State, Michigan, or TCU. Who was I pulling for when they were playing Ohio State? You were pulling for Georgia. Yeah. As much as it hurts me, I'd Screw that. I mean, Lord, if we had Ohio State Don't as a national them. championship. Can't, can't stand team, them. Not going to happen. I mean, the world would be coming to an end. Yeah. Jesus would be coming back. So Okay. Well, we'll move on from the national championship. We game. went long on that. We, we apologize. I may edit that down a bit. We don't know exactly how long that'll be. <laughs> we, we had a few different tangents in there. We'll transition into our next portion of the, uh, the discussion here. 
Well, let's move on here and let's move on to the uh, final AP top 25. So a little bit of discussion on my Tennessee networks this week about uh, should Tennessee have ended up ahead of Alabama? Should they not have? I get the argument both sides. Let's read them from the top here. I'll, I'll read off the top 10 and then we'll do uh, 11 through 25. So top 10, your final top 10, number one, Georgia, number two, TCU, number three, Michigan, number four, Ohio State, number five, Alabama, number six, Tennessee, number seven, Penn State, number eight, Washington, number nine, Tulane. Hey, how about them? And then number 10, Utah. All right. And then I'll go um, 11 through 20. We got number 11, Florida State, number 12, USC, number 13, Clemson. Number 14, K-State. Number 15, Oregon. Number 16, LSU. Number 17, Oregon State. Number 18, Notre Dame. Number 19, Troy, pulling out from the Sun Belt. Number 20, Mississippi State. And to round it on off there, 21 through 25, 21, UCLA, 22, Pitt. 23, South Carolina. 24, Fresno State. And 25, the other UT. That's the Texas Longhorns. So let's start at the top, babe. One and two, how do you feel about TCU remaining number two after a blowout in the national championship? I mean, they got to stay above Michigan, obviously, but I think that's where they belong. They have to because of the college football playoff. So given the way things shaked out, of these four teams, Ohio State played Georgia the closest. It was a one-point game. But how do you flip Ohio State over Michigan when they lost on their home turf? To Michigan, right? You can't. Right. They end up with, with a worse record, 11-2, and two, so I don't think you can do that. TCU, they end up 13-2. and two. I think I would have been okay with TCU sliding down a little bit. Maybe you could have slid Michigan back up, but head-to-head, mm-hmm. they beat them. And head-to-head should matter, right? Yeah, and I feel really good about that SEC championship game. Right. Like, I don't know about you. Oh, you, played, you played well. We again. played really yeah. well. Yeah. We did not get beat that hey, much. So Tennessee did too. Uh, we didn't give up sixty three to to the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, exactly. But uh, you know, if head to head matters, then why is Tennessee sitting behind Alabama with the exact same record? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Alabama lost two games by a combined four points. I mm-hmm. get that. I get that argument. A two point conversion. A two point conversion a and a field goal. field goal. Well, we we hit the field goal to beat them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. But uh, two point conversion to give them the the uh, one point win, and then uh, a field goal as time expired to beat them by a total of four points. I'll tell you, Eric Kane, and that is the Locked On Vols podcast. It's one I listen to daily. I uh, highly recommend. If you're not listening to it, I would hope that maybe this podcast gets big enough someday, and I can hop on there with Eric Kane. I love what he does, but uh, he he kind of broke it down for us and why this ended up this way. There were ten voters that put Penn State or Washington ahead of Tennessee, and because of that, Tennessee ends up uh, I think it's nine points behind Alabama. Why? In the final vote. Yeah, exactly. Why would you put Washington Listen, or where do you think, above Tennessee? Where do you think Nick Saban in the coaches poll rated Alabama at the end of this? Number one. No, not number one. Number two. Number two. Of Who course. in their right mind puts Alabama at number two? They were not the number two team in the country. They lost two I games. I mean, I see where he's coming from, though. No, like, I don't. That's, that's I do. Un- Who? What? Why? I do because listen, I have to rate myself at the end of every year um, 
I'm a corporate employee. And if I don't believe that I'm the best, who else is going to believe that I'm the best? Or I'm doing the best I can. So you know what? I do a Nick Saban, and every year I give myself the highest ratings I can. I get that, but <laughs> look, the pandering, the the begging, the pleading, it, it's getting a little old. I think one of the greatest things that happened on TV of the national championship was Nick Saban having to sit beside David Pollock and David Pollock saying, Georgia is the new standard in college football. Oh, my goodness. How do you feel about that? And Nick Saban is dying inside. Uh, it was wonderful. I don't know why he's even there as an analyst. You don't bring your because rivals in. He's the best. I mean, he, right now, he's the standard. Uh, I mean, agreed. he's the standard to beat. But he is looked, he retired? I think he's still no. an active coach. So why is he at the Georgia game? I know, but he looked fabulous in that suit. I mean, that blue and red. Look, hold your right hots for Nick Saban, okay? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm. I don't have the hots for Saban, but but you kind of looked do. good. No, I don't. But he looked good there. Um, he looked great. He had a great suit selection. That's all I'm saying. If but, Saban were still in purple and gold, yeah, does that change your feelings? <laughs> no, no. Maybe you have the hots. No. He, he looks. There, he looks a little better. He looks a little better. He does look a little. Yeah, he's better, got a purple and gold. To us, so moving on, he went to the Dolphins. Okay, but I would not. I mean, who in their right mind would put Penn State and Washington over Tennessee? Um, I have no idea. Yeah. Other than that, I, I agree with the top ten where it lies. I think TCU kind of as a matter of fact, as all these teams saw each other, one through six, in some facet. They saw each other, and head-to-head -head needs to matter it. But it mattered at the top three, but it didn't matter at five and six. Agreed. The Alabama brand gets the win there by a uh, nine-point margin over the Tennessee Volunteers uh, to end up the fifth team in the nation. Now, look, AP polls don't mean anything anymore. No. These are opinions. But you better believe if AP randomly had somebody at number one, they would be declaring themselves a national championship. Hey, UCF is champions, champions of life, much like our Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> for sure. So one through ten, I'm good with. Starting off with number 11, Florida State. Hey, great year for Florida State. Um, I know you all took the loss to them in the early season. Happy to see them there. Was not happy about that loss for LSU. But I think they're rightly placed there at 10-3. and three. Um, they move up two spots from the last poll, and then you've got the the, the people that lost their bowl game. USC, Clemson, and K-State all lost a bowl game. Uh, USC ends 11-3. and three. They stay at number 12. Um, Clemson goes to mm. number 13. I think that should be flip-flop. I think Clemson should be ahead of USC, um, giving, given that I've watched both teams play, Clemson's the better team. Uh, 14 K-State drops three spots to end up there because they got just demolished uh, by Alabama. Well, K-State has the same record as LSU, and I think LSU should be above K-State. I agree. Other uh, – no, I, I mean, mean – Who do they – you, you were the West. Played. You were the West champion. champion. They were a well. They won their conference, but but they got blown out in bowl game. And you guys did the blowing out against yeah. Purdue. I agree that LSU should probably be right there in that mix, um, if not ahead of these people that lost their bowl game. Agreed. Firmly planted and above K State because you beat a team that just worked them. Yeah, and 
transitive properties say LSU is a better team than Agreed. State is. Oregon ends at 10 and 3 and they stay right there at 15. I still don't think we know exactly what Oregon I is. Either. It's, I mean, and, and my mama and stepdad, bless their hearts, they're Oregon fans. And so this is a win for them. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we know exactly who what they are. Is. We, they did lose one of their best receivers. He is now at Tennessee. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU at 16. We've already said we think that's low. We think, and we I think, had a great year. I, I think mean, anywhere sure, 12 through 14 should, should be where LSU ended up. And Agreed. phenomenal first year. I mean, blew out Purdue um, in, in our bowl game, in the Citrus Bowl. I definitely think we should, we should be ahead of K-State. When Brian Kelly was hired – I don't think anybody around college football said LSU is going to go win the West this year. Oh, no. No. Did they have them middle of the pack? Yes. There's talent on that team. Yes. Many preseason had them picked to beat Tennessee, and I agreed with that because we know there's talent on that team. Brian Kelly did a heck of a job. Oh, a fabulous job. Um, And I give the guy a lot of flack because I'm not a huge Brian Kelly as a person fan. He's a phenomenal coach. Well, we may talk about that at some other point in time. Why I'm not a Brian person, Brian Kelly is a person fan. Uh, He's getting there. And everybody brought that up on Twitter, what you're talking about. And, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think he had a phenomenal year as, as the LSU head coach. I would have never imagined us going to the West. Actually, it, it started to become to fruition, you know, towards the end of that season after we beat Alabama. And then we started making plans to go to Atlanta, as well, you, you know. You'd, you'd had to lose two games after beating Alabama, which just wasn't possible. And, I mean, I started – me and Easton were like, we going to Atlanta, you know. Oh, yeah. And we were just really excited. So, exactly. Okay, number 17, Oregon State. I don't have anything anything to say on Oregon no. State. No. 18, Notre Dame ends there. They move up one spot after beating South Carolina. Where did Troy come from? Well, they're in Alabama. Oh, true. Now they had a good year. Uh, I believe they won their bowl game and uh, finished twelve and two, respectable for the Troy program, and uh, finished just ahead of Mississippi State, uh, who is without their head coach now. And I know. they are coming to South Carolina next year. That was a game I was looking to attend. I don't know if I will look to attend that one now without Mike Leach being at the helm. UCLA ends at twenty one. Uh, UCLA nine and four. It looks like Chip Kelly's just not got the same fire he used to have. Pitt ends nine and four. That was a early season um, foe against Tennessee. Good good year for them. Not quite the year they had the year before. Uh, South Carolina ends at twenty three. I think that's good for Beamer Ball ending in a ranked season. I mean, the only eight and five team on here. They are. They are the the. Worst win loss record to yeah. finish in the top twenty five. I think those two marquee oh without a doubt wins yeah. just and yes. I think that hurt y'all in the end. Oh, I no think that South Carolina, if y'all had lost by a field goal, oh I would have been so much better. You're but. absolutely right. There's no doubt that 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 loss hurts. Uh, and then Fresno State and then Texas. Texas eight and five as well, but they end up at twenty five. They fell four spots because they lost their bowl game. I believe that's all we need to talk about. When it comes to top 25, we set our piece. We will move on. And let's talk, um, babe, let's go to transfer portal and things happening within the transfer portal.
All right, before we get started on talking about the transfer portal and where players might end up, where they might not, I learned a few things about the transfer portal here recently. The winter transfer portal opened on December 5th, and it runs for 45 days. Now, players have an opportunity to enter the portal in those 45 days. They do not have to have a school destination. They do not need to commit. They just need to say, I am entering the portal. There's also a spring window that runs from May 1st to May 15th for players once again to hop in the transfer portal. Those are things I did not know. Okay, me either. And while we are talking on that uh, note, we have some breaking news as it concerns the transfer portal. It was as of today, this is uh, the 12th of January, Thursday, the NCAA has come down and brought out new legislation regarding the transfer portal. The players have their first portal entry and immediate eligibility guaranteed, but if they have a second transfer, there's going to be some uh, extingent circumstances requirement, okay. like abuse or sexual assault. Um, academic reasons don't count. Athletic reasons don't count, but uh, they're going to scrutinize that second move now. And I think this is a good change. I do too. And I think there should be a caveat tied to this second move that if a head coach or a major position coach gets hired or fired, that they, they get the option because the real reason why the transfer portal has been lawless, so to speak, is because these coaches have been able to move and make millions wherever they went, and the players have not. But there's got to be something to regulate what's going on in the transfer portal and keep these uh, athletes from just jumping from school to school to school and getting immediate eligibility. So now it looks like they'll, they'll have one, one chance to change their mind, to figure out what mm-hmm. might be a better landing spot for them. And then after that, they're going to need – Solid documentation or proof that uh, a change is warranted for the betterment of themselves because it's a bad situation in one way or another. Yeah, I definitely agree with this, but I do think there should be something added with a coaching change. And maybe they should just be able to follow that coach or something of that that nature. Um, but yeah, for sure. And I've talked about this before, babe. Like, I think that at that age, you should be able to pivot and change your mind if that program is not something that you thought it would be or you need to change due to family issues or something of that nature. And so, you know, they have the ability to do that one time. Yeah, and I, I agree that that you may end up at a school and it's completely outside of what you thought or you may be far from home mm-hmm. and thought that you would be okay with that and you're not. And I am totally good with one-time leniency saying you are young you, these are not end-of-life decisions you are making. Mm-hmm. You can pivot, move to another school. If it becomes cyclical and a trend, yeah. you got a problem. I agree. Because if there's stability at schools, take Tennessee this year for an example. We are not having a major turnover on coaches at all. Uh, we did lose our offensive coordinator, but they promoted within from the quarterback's coach to the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So there's stability in that program still. We're looking for a new tight ends coach because the same guy that was coaching tight ends has now got promoted to quarterbacks and within the within the system. But take that for an example. There's no major turmoil within the coaching dynamic 
but yet we have plenty of offensive players headed out. Yeah. Because they see kind of writing on the wall that I may not see the field for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And I'm okay with some players doing that one time. But mm-hmm. if that is, hey, you came to us and then you didn't make it, there's there needs to be some controls. Agreed. Because transfer portal has been wild. And I think I think most college football fans will agree that that we need some regulation. We need something garnering over the top of of how these players move around. While we mostly agree they need the ability to move around because coaches are allowed to do so. And now that under the name image and likeness clauses, these players are their own entities and have an option to make money for themselves. There has to be something governing in that. Yes. And I was listening to an interview that Brian Kelly did on the Paul Feinbaum show. And he was saying that when it comes to transfer portal, that they build their at LSU, um, that they build their program through freshmen. And if there's any holes that they need to fill, then they go to the transfer portal and that that's how they use the portal. Because he said that you will get guys and they will say, well, we can, you can get such and such, but there's so much money involved. And that's where you have to be really, really careful. And so, you know, that's one, one thing that that was before this change. Um, also I think that with extenuating circumstances that it just can't always be black and white. And maybe that's just kind of the person I am. I'm not a black and white kind of girl, but there's gotta be a, um, I just think about Mississippi state this year. And if you had gone through and, you know, you were expecting Mike Leach to, you know, still be here. And then that huge change happened. Like those players should be able to, to transfer out because that was an unforeseeable um, circumstance uh, that we all didn't were shocked by. Completely agree that uh, you lose your head coach is always a worthy reason to be able to transfer. And to this some extent, oh, I don't know. It's tough. And there's trauma associated with that. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, so I'm not supposed speaking so much on the Mississippi State front. I'm looking on the Lincoln Riley front. How he left Oklahoma and took a good chunk of the talent that he recruited with him to another school. I'm torn on that front because are they committing to a coach or are they committing to a school? Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand both sides of the argument. That I think most of the time the player's allegiance lands more to the coach than it does to the school. And that's hard from a fan standpoint to understand. It is. Because we want to think that they're tried and true, whatever colors and fight song, like we've been all our lives. But the fact of the matter is they're not. That college is a springboard to to launch them into a new career to Mm -hmm. to help their life. And we think we have to understand that. And so that's why I kind of get both sides that if a – Head coach leaves, players should have the options to go with them because that's who they committed to play to. They didn't commit to play to the school as much as they did to the personnel. I mean, just think about it in our adult life. You know, like, I mean, we've both had a lot of longevity in our career. You know, we've been with the the same career we've been with for over a decade. 18 years in the Air Force. I know. Going to 20. I've been over 10 years in my career. But with the same company, but um, there's many people um, that I know personally that have followed 
management or with to another company because they like that manager so well. And people with, you know, within my company that have followed people to another company. So it happens the same way in life, right? Well, the Air Force is not um, absent from that. You mm-hmm. get certain leaders that you know and you trust and you try to follow them through any way or any means necessary that you can do mm-hmm. because the work environment and the things are great. So I get it. That's why I said I understand, I understand. both dynamics, but I, th- we need some regulation. Uh, Agreed. We need some regulation, and I don't think this needs to be regulation aimed to hurting college athletes because I absolutely think they deserve every penny that they can make on their name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. But this immediate eligibility and, and portal hopping, I can't remember the running back's name that went from Clemson to Wake Forest then to Tennessee and then back in the portal. The guy moved schools four times in a year. There, yeah. there just needs to be something there to say you need to weigh this option out because we're allowing you to do this for a time, free mm-hmm. and clear. But after you do this one, the next one's going to – you can do it, but you're going to give up a year of eligibility. You're going to sit. And I think that's a good punishment for not weighing no, – I shouldn't say punishment, a repercussion. Of, a consequence. A consequence, Yes. Of not weighing that out because they're not saying you can't get it's just out of, in moderation. They're not saying you can't get out of a situation or change your mind. However, you've wasted your one free. Now you have a repercussion to that, and you're going to have to sit a year. I think it just makes these um, college athletes think harder about which is a good just, thing. Yeah, just weigh these decisions on a you know just think a little bit harder about these decisions which i know they are i'm not saying they're not but it just makes you have some more uh it's going to make them solidify their decision and 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 think hey like i can't get out of this like i'm going into a marriage here which college is a good time to understand yeah decisions commitment have repercussions commitment matters so okay that's enough on the uh the breaking news from the NCAA and then Let's, if they want a divorce, then they can get it once. And then Well, that that would be a good law to put it in place. You get one freebie divorce. Oh, I would love. Right? You and I would oh be in gosh. great shape. We would, oh my gosh, have so much more money. Right? And the lawyers would not. <laughs> Okay. And we digress. Let's uh, let's move on. And we're going to talk about some commitments that, that have happened this week in the winter portal session. I'll start with Tennessee unless you want to take it, babe. No, you go ahead. Okay. The biggest one that happened, this was on Monday. Wide receiver from Oregon, Dante Thornton. Six foot five, 180 pound sophomore coming out of Oregon. He caught 17 passes this year, 366 yards and a touchdown. He, he played in 11 games. The guy's got the size. He's got the technique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the loser in this for Tennessee is Ramel Keaton because Ramel Keaton has been with the program. He's done what he's needed to do. He's proved to that coaching staff he's a guy that can be trusted. And in my opinion, Dante Thornton's going to line up right there where Ramel Keaton's at. Squirrel White has solidified himself in the slot. Dante Thornton is a slot slash wide guy. Given his size, he seems more of an out wide guy to me. And I don't know how I feel about that because – I love some Ramel Keaton from this year. The Florida game would not have been possible without Ramel, and uh, it, I'm torn. As happy as I am to have Dante Thornton join the Tennessee Vol program, I'm not sure what that does to our receiving core. 
because mm-hmm. Brew's not coming off the court and he's not coming off the field. It's not no. happening. No, not at all. So fans love Brew. So good pickup for them. You know, at the end of the day, what this what this brings is competition. Yeah. Right? We had some receivers leave because they could kind of see the top three were solidified in that bowl game going into next year. Merrill Walker being one, he landed at Wake Forest today. This is Thursday, the January the 12th. Um, Walker Merrill has landed there. We had uh, Jimmy Callaway. He left as well. Um, just kind of receivers seeing the writing on the wall. We need competition in that room. I think that breeds the best out of all yes. receivers. There are many, many times that we have four receivers on the field. Our base offense is a three-receiver set. From what I know about Ramel Keaton and what he showed so far, he's committed to Tennessee and willing to stick it out and continue to do those things and grind. And he has the coaching staff on his side. Dante Thornton, although he was a four-star recruit, number 10 wide receiver in the 2021 recruiting cycle, he's got some things to prove at Tennessee. Mm -hmm. He is not an automatic on-the-field guy. He's going to have to go in and earn the spot. And that, that's what I think is so great about competition. Like, you got to go in. you got to want to get better and earn your spot and do the best you can. And so I think that's what's great about college athletics. And that's what I think is great about this um, portal signee is he's going to bring that competition back to that room that nobody's job is safe. you got to compete every single day. Nothing is given. you got to earn mm-hmm. much to the, what we were talking about earlier. So he was a big pickup. Second pickup we got this week, defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott coming mm-hmm. out of Arizona State. Six foot three, 295 pound lineman. He was a four star prospect in the 2020 cycle. The number 39 defensive lineman coming out of that year, number 33 overall prospect in the state of California. Coming from Arizona State, he's coming to the other coast. Um, really, he felt like Tennessee could be a new home. And this is funny, I've lived in Arizona. Mm-hmm. He's a California kid, but I found a lot of similarities between the Arizona vibe and the Knoxville vibe. I can see that. Friendly people. Um, very. People in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix area, were, were very friendly. I enjoyed my time in Phoenix, and uh, I could see how he could kind of get that connection. Because if there were another place I'd want to live the rest of my life, Arizona's one of them. One thing I don't think you know about me is that in my internship in Nashville, my roommate that I just got randomly put with went to Arizona State. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. You learn new things on the, on the house <laughs> by the podcast all the time, even and between she husband was great. and wife. And she loved Tennessee. Yeah. So it's, it's odd that. They are so far geographically separated, yeah. but the people are very similar. Mm-hmm. We got along fabulously. Your name's Kathy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and that's that's the way I feel. That's why it doesn't surprise me that, that Omar found that uh, Knoxville could be a home for him. Yeah. Lastly, big pickup this week, John Campbell coming out of Miami. He's a six foot five, three hundred twenty pound offensive tackle. He started eleven games this year for the Hurricanes. He made uh, seventeen starts in thirty three total possible games. He was a three-star prospect in the 2018 recruiting cycle. But overall, he was the number 39 offensive tackle in that class. So a quality guy seen a lot of offense or seen a lot of snaps. And that is huge on the offensive line because you mm-hmm. need guys in the trenches in the SEC and especially guys that have seen snaps. Uh, I'm happy with this pickup. He had offers from Miami, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, USC, Alabama. 
And uh, to pick him up at Tennessee is good. It's good to see recruits of this caliber picking Tennessee. Mm -hmm. it, it solidifies that they've made that jump because all three of these guys had major offers to, to Power 5 schools that are top caliber. Happy to see Tennessee in the running with these and absolutely ecstatic for the signings we've had so far. It's been a great portal period. Hopefully this momentum holds up and uh, we can continue – Great success at Tennessee. The coaching staff tells us we're just getting started. My Tennessee heart says, hold on a minute, because we've been promised golden yeah. riches before, and I'm not jumping to any conclusions, but things look good right now. Where are y'all sitting with your freshman uh, Oh, the class. recruiting class that we got coming in, defensive heavy, but absolute studs on that class. We're sitting within the top ten in the nation right now. Okay. And – Filling a lot of needs. We will talk recruiting overall as official National Signing Day concludes mm -hmm. uh, February 14th. Mm -hmm. However, I feel official National Signing Day has now moved to December. Most of our early enrollees are already on campus. We will cover recruiting in detail in the off season. Uh, but I am very, very happy with where we're sitting on on all fronts when it concerns uh, building a roster to compete for national championships. Yeah, so LSU had, um, as of today, we signed, uh, we added three Power 5 transfers for 2023, and they're all coming on campus this spring. We, um, and they were highly touted, how, they, we had three highly touted transfers. Um, they joined LSU. They're going to be on campus this spring. Um, we have J.K. Johnson from Ohio State, and... I'm going to pronounce these names wrong. We have Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse. I like that name. Mm-hmm. He's got and his chestnuts out. He's a deuce. He's a deuce. And edge rusher Ovi Ogofu, Ogofu from Texas. That sounds like a, a uh, Cajun name, Ogofu. I know. I agree. So Ohio State, Syracuse, and Texas. So Those are good pickups. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't heard much in the wind. As I stated about LSU, nothing but positivity going towards yeah. that program before and after the bowl game, so it doesn't surprise me that they're picking up steam. Yeah, there's some connection here. So um, Johnson joined that is joining us after two seasons at Ohio State. He appeared in 15 games. He started five times in 2022. He actually played high school for the LSU cornerback coach, Robert Steeples. So there's a good so connection there. I there's get a that. really yeah. good connection there. Um, with the Buckeyes, he had 22 tackles. He had a career high five in a win over Northwestern in 2022. He was ranked as a top 50 player nationally coming out of high school. And he was the number one prep player in Missouri for the class of 2021. So Chestnut, he was an All-American at Syracuse in 2021. That's a deuce. Mm-hmm. He's a deuce. <laughs> um, he started um, all 24 games of his Syracuse of his Syracuse career as a cornerback and he was third team all ACC and he was the runner up for the ACC defensive rookie of the year as well. Um, with the orange, he had 83 tackles and um, 13 passes defended and four interceptions. So I'm really, really excited about this pickup. Pick yeah. Yeah. All of our pickups are on defense. Uh, Much like Tennessee's class this year, defense is the need. Yeah. Um, we, we need it. They're coming in. Uh, Rodney Garner, our, our defensive line coach, 
he's done a really good job at developing talent. And I think it's shown with a lower-rated guys within the SEC that come to Tennessee and, and, and grade out mm-hmm. much higher because of the coaching of Rodney Garner, which makes it a, a favorable landing spot for uh, for some, some D linemen out there. And that's why we did pick up one D lineman in this. Mm-hmm. So Chestnut actually had a pick six, as, pick six as well in 2022. So really excited about him. And then with a GoFu, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. A GoFu. Uh, he played two years at Texas, and actually he started his career with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. So there's the connection there between him and Brian Kelly. Um, he started 20 games at Texas, and he was he's an academic guy. He was named to honor roll. Um, he played two years with the, Longhorn, with the Longhorns, and he was credited with uh, 19 tac- uh, 96 tackles, 14 tackles for a loss. And- so that's transfer portal news as it sits today. Um, breaking news from the NCAA about uh, eligibility moving forward and then where Tennessee and LSU players may land for next year. Some have committed, some haven't. Uh, one last thing we're going to cover before we wrap this thing up. We're going to take a look at a way too early top 25 coming up after the break. All right, a way too early top 25 preseason for 2023. I'm looking at uh, NCAA.com is where I'm going to pull this uh, data from. Number one should be no surprise to anybody. They got Georgia sitting there. They're back-to-back national champs. Until somebody unseats them, I think they're going to sit right there at number one. They've got Michigan at number two, Ohio State at three, and Alabama at four. Any comments there on the top four? No. No, not really. I mean, I have comments on number five and number six, and I think you're going to have comments on yeah. number five and number six. <laughs> number five, Penn State. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they belong there. They I played don't. two teams that were worth a crap last year, and I they know. lost to both. Uh, come on. And then number six, they're predicting LSU. LSU, ten and four last season, won a Citrus Bowl. I think it's a little high. I don't think it's a little high. I mean, I think we have a lot of talent come in. We're number seven right now in our recruiting class. Um, I think Jaden Daniels coming back. 2,900 yards yep. he had. 28 total touchdowns. Harold Perkins is back. 72 total tackles. Seven and a half sacks. He's a beast. Total beast. I do not want to run into Harold Perkins Jr. in a dark alley. Are you frequenting dark alleys? No. <laughs> Not a, well, I mean, in Charleston and during a meeting, maybe. I mean, so we talk about the hotel, yeah, but I do not want to run into him. Out, I, I mean, you know, oh my goodness, we talk about 2023 and opening weekend. We talked about South Carolina, North Carolina. LSU opens with Florida, Florida State. State again, this time, LSU on the road. I know. I, I think we can do it. I think we're going to have some animosity about how it ended last year. I don't think we're going to leave it up to a kick. Well, number seven, guess who that is? Florida State. Florida State sitting at number seven. So we're going to find out real quick which of these two teams deserve to be there. Once again, quarterback returns. Jordan Travis coming back with 3,200 total yards and 31 touchdowns, and he is the main weapon for that FSU offense. 
we'll see you real quick. I know. Uh, uh, and I, man, I. And we're going to fix things. I wish it was September right now. I am so excited for next season. And we're going to fix things on special teams. I mean, we oh, without have a doubt. to. No, no. We they, have to. They got so much things. better throughout the there year. There were muff pumps. Yeah. And muff punts, excuse me, in that, in that first game of the season. There were so much wrong on special teams. And they got it right. They got it right throughout the year. It, it very much looked like a game one last year. I do not expect the same result this no. year. Brian Kelly had been there about four months, five months at that time. It's hard. I mean, he it's barely found his offense, yeah, yeah. y'all. So, number eight, they've got uh, USC sitting there. Don't quite agree with that. High. Yeah, it's too high. It's their name. I mean, so, it's like sexy, you know. I'll tell you where I'm at from a Tennessee standpoint when they said way too early. I said Tennessee should be somewhere between <laughs> 9 and 15. That's that's my honest take. Oh, I thought you were going to say one and five. Huh? No, no, babe, nine and fifteen. I really believe we lose. We lose some playmakers. We lose a lot. The offense you can count on. You don't know what the defense is going to be. I think nine and fifteen is a fair assessment of where Tennessee's going to land. TCU's all the way at nine uh, or ten. No, I've got ten. Yeah, Washington at nine, TCU at ten, Utah at eleven. They've got Tennessee at twelve. I've seen others that have Tennessee at eleven. I'm good with both, to be honest. Hendon Hooker is gone. This is not the same Tennessee volunteer program. But you got Rocket Joe Milton. We do have Rocket Joe, and I wish I had my Rocket sound up again. But Joe Milton's curse is consistency. True that. Hendon Hooker's was not. He was a consistent quarterback. And he's a generational talent, I believe. I hope Joe Milton can be the guy that Hendon Hooker was, but we need to see it on a consistent basis. Joe Milton against Vanderbilt, not great. In the Orange Bowl, Excellent Joe Milton that we saw. Mm-hmm. I think he has the ability to contend for a Heisman again next year. And if he plays to that caliber, we've got a chance to be another top five program. Time will tell. I am not upset, mad, anything of the like that Tennessee is here. Because in my honest opinion, it's where we ought to be, 9 through 15. You're just happy they are in their like. Number 12, like that they're a winning program right now, babe. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll i take it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not going to step away from it. I, I think everything is earned in this life, and I feel like they earned the number one ranking this season, and they deserved it, and they also deserve to get dropped. Um, that's just how things shake out. I will never, ever be the guy that just beats the drum endlessly for Tennessee because I'm an orange and white clad guy. You're not going to rank yourself number two at the end of the... No. <laughs> no. And of note, Kirby Smart, the national championship winning coach, had it uh, one through four the same. Number five, Tennessee. Number six, Alabama. Oh. Gotta love it. For the record. Number 13, Notre Dame. Uh, that's, you know, the NBC product that is Notre Dame. They always get up there. Yeah. 14 Clemson. I think Clemson's going to find some contested ground next year. North Carolina. I'm so one. glad. I'm so glad to see Clemson at number 14 and not, a num- you know, above number 10. I think that's really where they deserve to be. Well, they were 11 and three and lost the orange. I know. And, and I, I think that's where they kind of need to land. I think, I think I that think, they were overranked last year. I think feeling hungry for that program will help that program. I agree. Um, and help Dabo. I think there's some parity. he's 40. I think there's some parity to the ACC finally. Mm-hmm. There's some teams coming around. 
I burped. There's some teams coming around that are going to make things a lot more interesting in that conference, which helps. Doesn't just help Clemson, it helps the ACC in general. And they need all the help they can get. Oh, don't they? Okay, number 15, Oregon. Number 16, Oregon State. 17 is Texas, which they jumped from 25 postseason to 17 preseason. Don't know how I feel about that. I don't either. Uh, look, Texas, you need to become a Missouri. You you got to be the show me state. You got to yeah. show me something, because they, I've heard Texas is back. We're back um, over and over and over. And guess what? You're eight and five. But aren't they getting yeah. Arch Manning? Supposedly. So yes, Arch Manning is coming in. He's highly touted, but he's going to be a freshman. And I think Quinn yours that's his job until it's not. I mean, he's getting. He's got the genes though. Yeah. Quinn yours has and got not blue jeans. Quinn yours has got the mullet, and uh, there ain't no Manning that ever rocked a mullet. They ain't got the forehead for it. <laughs> so number eighteen, Tulane. Oh, number I'm proud of them. Number nineteen, Texas Tech. Twenty, Kansas State. Twenty-one, Iowa. Twenty-two, North Carolina, which we've talked about. We'll be playing the Gamecocks in the opening. Twenty-three, Wisconsin. Twenty-four, Ole Miss. 25, the UTSA Roadrunners. Uh, this is out of left field. Uh, Old Miss dr- coming in, South Carolina dropping out. out and UTSA. Well, like, I I mean, what is UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio? Yes. Uh, I mean, the Roadrunners have been consistently pretty good for the last couple of I mean, of years. but South Carolina. They were undefeated in Conference USA play. They Mississippi won. State. A bowl game against Troy. Oh no, no. They were a win away from I mean from remaining in the top. And then Troy's not even in there. They're not. Uh yeah, that's kind of a smack in the face to Troy. But um, South Carolina, who finished above Texas in the final AP poll, is out of the of the way. If UTSA This is not AP, this is way too early, according to NCAA. If UTSA Ends up in the top twenty-five. I will pay you ten twenty. I will pay you twenty dollars. Okay, mark it now. I'm going to mark it right there. Mark it and I owe you next year if, if they end up UTSA finishes in the, in the uh, top twenty-five. Final top twenty-five shows me twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Okay. Done. And that is it. That is the way too early top twenty-five. Some surprises along the way. Um, Plenty of things to cover in the offseason about all these teams. Some I think they missed the mark on. Some I think they got right. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I can't wait for uh, college football to start back again. Is it September yet? Yeah, for cheese dip and and all the great things that College Football Saturday brings us. So we'll see if UT, UTSA can get there. Sadly, folks, that's a wrap to the college football season. We appreciate y'all hopping on to the House Divided podcast and checking out our comments and what our uh, our thoughts and processes are on all the things that's happened in the college football world. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here with you the entire offseason. We're going to be bringing up uh, transfer portal news, ranking news, coaching changes moves, and we're going to talk a little hoops along the way. Baseball will be in the mix. We love all things college sports. So don't be afraid to hit that like, follow button. Keep up with us. We are the House Divided Podcast. Once again, I am Joe. I'm Bethany. Thank you all for stopping in. Bye, y'all.